All right, welcome back to another podcast episode, Podcast of Farming Assets. If you joined us for the first time, fantastic. Welcome. We're excited to have you. If you like the content, give us a thumbs up. Feel free to subscribe and feel free to share us as well. Don't keep a secret and give this podcast a link to other friends, family, and colleagues. Again, this is all for you guys and feel free not to keep us a secret. Share this episode with everybody you possibly can. All right. Welcome back, guys. And I appreciate you being here. If you're new to our to our channel, thank you for joining us and feel free to subscribe and become one of our subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, that would be wonderful for you to be to join us and share us. And if you want to hear our content, feel free to after listening to this episode, go to our some of our other episodes and then subscribe. Then if you are a subscriber, welcome back. And so let's go ahead and go through this. So, you know, I've been doing a few different episodes on China and California. And there's a lot of link to the two. Okay. I'm originally from Southern California. I've been there since 1984. We moved in the end of 2020 and to North Texas. And I've been involved in both economies. I've been involved in the two most populous states in the United States. And there is an extreme difference of the two. And the reason why I've been doing so many episodes on the two is because they are linked. The current events, they are linked. California to China, China to the United States, California to the United States, Texas to California. There's there's this, all this connection, and we've seen this over the last few years. And so, but today, I just wanted to go through, and I'm not going to go through all these articles, but if you've, if you've been a listener, thank you. But if you've been a listener, you've heard or you've seen or you've experienced that I use a lot of different resources. So whether it's The Economist magazine, whether it's Forbes or Kiplinger, CNN, Nikki Asia, you name it, I use it because I don't feel like it's fair to get one point source of information from one side or the other. I like to try to keep things as broad as I possibly can because at the end of the day, for you and I... As taxpayers, and that's the key, you and I as taxpayers, we need to understand the between the lines. We need to understand and read between the lines of what's being said out there because there is manipulation. There's Whether it's clickbait or it's just trying to, to drive emotions and anger or whatever you want to call it. So I want to make sure that when I go through things, that it's a, a variety of things. And as you know, I'll usually read through the article. I give my commentary. And I always try to keep our episodes between 10 to 20 minutes as best as I possibly can. Now, today's episode is, I have a ton of articles. And when I go through these articles, I mean, the first, like the first one, CNN Business. And this is, again, this is going to be on the same thing we've been doing, Texas, I mean, China. So, I mean, articles back in June, June 12th, manufacturing is sputtering in the world's largest economy. And you've heard from my previous episodes talking about China and their their manufacturing and their the growth of their company is the country is spittering, sputtering. Their their post-COVID recovery has falled fallen on their face. It's just it's it's very disappointing. And and I think a lot of it too, as you've heard me say this before, is that Ladies and gentlemen, why is this communist country so much more important to us than a Russian communist country? There's only one reason. It's not because China are nicer people than Russia. It's not because China is more transparent than Russia. In fact, if you look at it, Russia is probably more transparent than China is. But 
at the end of the day, what does China have that Russia doesn't have? A ton of people. And when we can get our goods and services manufactured at a lower cost because we have a country, China, that has a ton of people, where are we going to go purchase or move our manufacturing to? But we're starting to see the errors of our ways. So we started this journey with China back in the 70s. Okay. Now, most people don't know that, but it started back in the 70s. Yes, in the 80s, Japan was huge and big and still a very, very important ally of ours. And then we started moving things to Mexico and then other parts of Asia. And then all of a sudden, this, this whole everything's being made in China came about and there was momentum. Okay. But what we're starting to see is after the last ex- few years of experiences, I think we're becoming smarter. We're seeing the errors of our ways and, and what that means. And so there's, there's, there's other areas that we can manufacture. Sure, we as, as citizens and, and consumers, our goods and services may be a little bit more expensive, maybe a lot more expensive. But I think in the reality, it's a lot less expensive than being in a relationship with a country that is been like China. My personal opinion, everybody's welcome to disagree with me. This is my channel, my opinion. You're here because you want to hear my opinion. And at the end of the day, when you go to Nikkei Asia, another art website that I use, June 16th also, China's e-commerce extravaganza loses its shine as consumption sags. Online sales suffer amid COVID hangover, property weakness, and job losses. Okay, that's in China. Okay, we don't we're not hearing the same stuff here in the in the states. Fortune magazine. This is on their their site, July 6th. So many wealthy Chinese are trying to get their kids out of the country that it's made an obscure school one of the best performing stocks in the world. This was very interesting to me, which caused me to read it. There is a private school in Singapore that wealthy Chinese families are taking their kids and putting them in Singapore in this private school. And this private school is a public company. And so the, the performance of this the stock has been skyrocketing. Now, being from originally from California, our kids, and in particular, our son went to a all-Catholic boys private school. And there were a ton of Chinese exchanges students. And our son got a chance to befriend a couple of them. In fact, he took Mandarin in all through his, his years there, went to China over a summer as part of the program he was in. And so had a, had an opportunity to talk to a few of the exchange students. And a lot of the reasons why they come here is because of the testing requirements in China at a certain age. And if your child is not in China, then they don't have to take these tests. And these tests are basically what drive their potential or what the rest of their life will be like in communist country, China, what their jobs will be, what their profession will be. So I find it very interesting. So when you have wealthy Chinese, and this is and this is why I say Chinese is connected, China's connected to California is because what are the a lot of these Chinese trying to do, wealthy Chinese families trying to do is move their money out of China. And what are they do what's the best way to do that is buy real estate. So they're buying real assets, cash for properties in the West Coast, all over the West Coast and primarily California. And so what does that do to the valuation of homes? It goes up. And what are people in, in California doing when they're selling their house for cash? getting their 
you know, they may have bought their house 20 years ago for 250,000. Now it's worth, you know, 800,000. What do you think they're doing with all that cash? They're leaving California. And one of the recipients of all these people is Texas. Okay. And so when you have a lot of Californians with a chunk of cash, what are they doing? They're buying homes in Texas. And what's that doing to the valuation of Texas? Besides the growth of Texas, it's also increasing the valuation of homes. And a lot of those folks also are business owners. So what are they doing with their businesses? Moving them to Texas. Okay. So you can see the connection. Now, in Nikki Asia, there's another article, July 17th. Okay. So we're just looking the last couple months here. China's GDP up 6.3% in the second quarter, falling short of projections. So, but under the subtitle is youth unemployment rises to record high amid tepid domestic demand. And so I've gone through this, these articles before you go look at my last few episodes, you can see me discussing and talking about Japan's economy and stuff. So let's look at this next is Axios. Okay. This website called Axios and July 17th. Also what China's slump means for the world. Okay. And at the end of the day, I don't think China's slump for the world means anything other than opportunity for other areas in the world. So what do I mean by that? Well, North Texas is a recipient of a lot of computer chip manufacturing now. And so you have billions and billions of dollars coming into the state. And what's that doing to employment? It's increasing it. It's increasing it. Sure, it may be more expensive than Chinese workers. But is it now? Is it now? I don't know. And what do our workers do with their money versus workers in China? Our workers spend their money. They're consumers. That's Americans. We're consumers. That's the reason why we went to China for manufacturing was because we wanted our goods and services to be less. So what do a lot of Chinese, they do consume. What a lot of them are trying to do is get their money out of the country. Okay, so do you really think their currency should be part of a valuation of a new currency to devalue the dollar? I don't know. You see Europe. Again, another episode I've talked about is the euro, right? At least all these countries in the continent of Europe had some sort of connection to each other. Yeah, there was a lot of nationalistic pride between the different countries, and that's fantastic. You want that with countries, right? And what did they do? They created a currency. Why? To compete with the dollar. And, and people in the United States, when this started happening, what are they scared of? They're fearful of what? The euro surpassing the dollar. What's happened today? Yeah, the euro is still a powerful uh, currency, but it's not even close to the dollar. In fact, what happened to England? They backed out, didn't they? They kept the pound, which is still one of the top 10 valuable currencies. If you look at our episode that are talking about the top 10 and top weakest currencies, the strongest and the weakest currencies on both, okay? Nowhere in any of those was China, by the way. So I just find that this to be curious. And another article, also Nikkei Asia. I like to use Nikkei Asia because they're on that side of the world, not rather than what reading the US publications that really don't know. This is July 21st. China Inc.'s profit warnings reveal deflationary pressures. Weak demand and falling prices hit key industrial sectors from steel to paper. Okay, so more. How about this next? Let's see here. South China Morning Post. 
Okay. This sounds like a local, doesn't it? Let's see what I'm looking for. The date on this article. I want to say this date. Let's see here. I have it off to the side here. Oh, July 29th. Okay. July 29th. Could China go nuclear and devalue its currency to boost ailing recovery? Devaluation is a common temptation for major trading nations such as China, despite the risk of starting currency wars and angering trading partners. And yet, who are they trying to get into bed with? They're trying to create this currency, right? This BRICS currency with countries all over the world and on every continent. How's that going to survive? Again, go back to the euro, right? Let's look at that conversation we just had. Okay. So, a recent report argues that devaluing the yuan could bring major benefits and spur Beijing and other experiments further. Okay. So devalue, how do you devalue your currency? Okay. Now, The Economist, this is the most recent article. This was yesterday, August 10th. Okay. August 10th, Joe Biden's China strategy is not working. Supply chains are becoming more tangled and opaque. And so what we're seeing here, ladies and gentlemen, is the demise, (laughs) do we say it, of our relationship with China because we're taking control. Because we, the United States, are starting to be smarter. We're starting to say, hey, maybe we shouldn't be trading partners. Maybe we should not have all our manufacturing done there. Now, here's the problem that we have put ourselves into over the last two or three decades. China is also the number one holder, if you will, of precious metals, resources, and that's not by accident. China has always looked at the long game. Look at their history. That's way longer than the American history. They've always been about the long game. And what is the long game right now? What if our relationships with Europe and the United States, and we do all their manufacturing, what happens if they start pulling out? What do we do? How do we stop that? How do we hedge that? How do we protect ourselves that? How do we develop a risk management strategy? Well, guess what? They've used all of our money, meaning that all the manufacturing, all the money we float that flowed into China because of us buying manufacturing goods and services, they started buying more and more resources. And now who's in control of those resources? The same thing with the Middle East and oil. Until Trump came in and started producing more oil in the United States, then we become an exporter. Okay? And so the same is true. So we need to look and be concerned about some of what our politicians are doing and the decisions they're making. I understand having world trading partners, but if it really doesn't benefit us, it benefits them. So for example, if we're getting all our fruit from South America, that benefits them, not really us, because now we have no workers here in the States and we have no fruit here in the States. Now, there are different continents that have different climates, and it makes sense to be able to have certain fruits and vegetables year-round. That makes sense. But if you go to a grocery store in California, 
all of your fruits and vegetables aren't in California, even though California has been the Mecca agricultural provider of fruits and vegetables. But instead, the state and other politicians have created this Central California Dust Bowl. Go drive the five freeway from Southern California to Northern or Northern to Southern. You'll see. So these are all things that I just like to, I'm, I'm lamenting a little bit, right? I'm just kind of causing us to think about this a little bit more and wonder, what's this mean to you and I? If I'm a business owner, what's this mean? Well, honestly, it doesn't really mean a ton other than you need to really focus on your business. You need to focus on your suppliers. You need to focus on the, the services you provide, the value you provide, the goods and services that you're providing your customers and your clients. And what are you bringing to the table and how can you improve that? Okay. And constantly being improving, proving that. How do you separate yourself from the fast food chains that are coming into town? If you're a restaurant. How do you combat if you're a textile company? How do you compete with these other companies? If you're a retail store, how do you compete with these large giants that come through, box stores that come through the, the neighborhoods? If you're if you're a mom and pop auto shop or you know, whatever the case may be, how do you combat this? And I'm not saying the road's gonna be easy, but what I am saying is that. The same reason why you started your business in the first place is the same reason why you're running your business today, is to provide value to your clients, your customers, and to do a better job than the guy you worked for before or the guy down the street. That's it. Nothing really has changed. Now, sometimes in our success, we we maybe procrastinate a little bit more. We may rest in, and rest in our laurels a little bit more. We may be a little more complacent. But guess what? Now is the time we have learned over the last few years. Now is the time not to do any of that. It's to put the go, change your oil, do a tune up on your business, hire a consultant, hire somebody to do a, a rundown valuation of your business, finding key performance indicators that you may need to ch adjust. Don't rely on just one. Uh, and then use that information to develop your own. So what we do at Terra Firma is, is when we're helping our clients, we're looking at the ongoing health. We're not looking at just the here and now. Oh, here's how we can reduce your taxes. Oh, here's how you can you grow your wealth. It's looking at certain aspects of your life that allow you to be able to hedge or risk manage these other issues that we've learned from history. The key here is learned from history. So you need to do the same thing. If you've had the same financial partners, financial advisor, a CPA for 20 years, maybe it's a good idea to start shopping around, not leaving them. I'm not saying to leave them, but maybe shopping around and giving, getting different opinions and thoughts. A lot's changed in 20 years. And I'm not saying your people aren't any good. I'm not saying that. I'm, what I'm just saying is maybe you need to take responsibility of your business and look at it a little bit more and think about, okay, what do I do? The same thing if you're an employee. What more value can you bring to your employer? Oh, well, they don't they don't give bonuses anymore for Christmas. So what? Where's your pride? Step up, bring more value. Put them in a position where they probably feel like they should give more bonuses. Go work for a smaller company instead of the company you're at or go look work for a larger company instead of the company you're at. 
you're in control of your destiny. But these are situations when we look at the world, we don't want to change our world. But I think that there's a lot of growth. It's like roses or really anything. If you're a gardener, I'm not a gardener, but if you're a gardener, how do you get your rose bush to thrive and flourish? You got to trim it back. And when you look at most arborists, what do they do when they, there's a period of time in the year, they trim everything back. And then all of a sudden, when it comes springtime again, it all comes rushing back better than it was before. We're the same way. We're the same way. Okay. So God created us this way. So I'm just, again, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just providing a, a different voice, a different thought that maybe this is the time we assess things. We learn from history. We make a little adjustments. I'm not saying change your entire world. I'm just saying, look at it. Evaluate it. If you're not happy, what do you need to do to change it? If you're happy and you want to be ecstatic, what do you need to change it? If you're ecstatic and you want to be ultimately amazing, I'm just making crap up now, then look at your situation. You get my point here. So Anyways, and I use China as an example. I use California as an example, right? China is a long game. What's California? California still thinks they're the prom queen. <laughs> they don't realize no one cares about them anymore. They continue to make the same decisions over and over again, and they continue to be bad decisions. There's a reason why there's been a mass exodus for the last decade, especially the last three years or so. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why businesses are fleeing California. Okay, I will bet you within the next five to 10 years, California will make more tax revenue from companies that have left California, but still have a business partner or have some sort of connection to California, but they are no longer in California. It's the same thing with Mexico. Their number one economy is money from the states going back to Mexico. People crossing the border, working their jobs, taking cash, sending it back to the family. California is going to be the same thing. Their tax revenue is going to be generated by pretty much everybody that's no longer in California. But we won't be in California. <laughs> and that's okay. And that's okay. So thanks so much for listening. I hope, I don't know if this was helpful or you like this or not, but at the end of the day, I find this to be fun. It's therapeutic for me. So if you do like it, then subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet, if you have and share me, Sh share this channel with other people and uh, just say, Hey, question mark. Think you may like it. May not. I don't know. This guy's weird. And so you like weird things as my friend because we're friends. So check this guy out. I don't know. Say whatever you want to say. You're welcome to quote me there as well. I don't care. But uh, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate you spending the time with me and make it a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. My name is Bob Wolf. I am the CEO and founder of Terraforma Business and Financial Consultants. I'm an asset coach and tax strategist. Click on the subscribe button, share this. Have a great one. Bye-bye.